Welcome to Frog Ops Food Founders Interview. Uh, today's guest is Claudia Castellanos, founder of Black Mamba Foods. She's based in South Africa, but selling internationally, and she has stockists on four continents, which is uh, pretty good going, I reckon. Um, Black Mamba is on a mission to help build a better world through good food and ethical practices, and I'm excited to learn how she's doing this whilst picking up uh, great taste awards along the way. Welcome, Claudia. Thanks so much for having me here, and hello, everyone. I'm very, very excited to be able to share a little bit about our Black like Mamba journey with you. Reading about your 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 uh, your biography, you've had quite a, a literally an interesting journey um, to start in the food business. What what was the driving force behind Black Mamba? I just love that you asked that because it's one thing that you you do a lot of inner research and what's the driving force. And um, my own personal driving force that I discovered a few years ago before even creating Black Mamba was be the change you want to see in the world. When I started looking into that, it's just, you know, we always tend to just be frustrated about things we want to change and complain and being keyboard warriors, you know, like all of these things. And then I realized, is that really making a difference or should I do something more substantial to make a difference? So when I started having those thoughts, I was in Italy. Uh, I was working there. I had a job with um, as a lecturer in a university, funny enough, but I had worked before for food, for Danone. But then I said, you know what, let's do what any sort of person looking for purpose does and is let's just go and volunteer in Africa. And um, that was where the driving force came. I, I really wanted to be the change. I, I was very disheartened, let's just say, but a lot of situations related to climate change, related to um, development of women mostly. So I said, let me just do a start, uh, sort of like a, a journey of self-discovery in Africa. So I would say the driving force behind Black Mamba was starting for me and continue to be for Black Mamba's be the change you want to see in the world. And I think, did you say you worked for Danon before? Yes. So you, you are in the kind of, had been in the food industry. I was, but I back then I just, I actually swear that I would never ever do food again. Oh, right. <laughs> that shows that the universe had all the plans for you. So you, you, I always ask people, you know, did you always want to start a food business? But it actually sounds like, no, you didn't want to start a food business. No, so what not happened, at all. What happened to change that then? Well, I think it's just when people ask me what sort of entrepreneur you are, I always said I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, because when I arrived to Africa, I was literally given the opportunity to start working in Swaziland, called back then Swaziland. I like probably everybody around here is just like, where is that? Like Swaziland perhaps rings a bell. Eswatini doesn't ring a bell at all. So I had to look online and make sure that it was in Africa because for some reason I really wanted to come to Africa. And uh, what I had to do there is I got my my project was to work with uh, handcraft businesses and help them create. And my background is in marketing. So I needed to help them create a better marketing plan, marketing strategy to promote the products overseas. So while doing that, I realized that the business model that they had was an incredibly important business model for developing communities. And the business model was based on um, working with a value chain of local handcrafters bringing the knowledge and experience that we could have in marketing, in product development, in design, creating something that would be appealing and high quality enough for international markets and sell it. So when I saw that sort of business model working, then I started dating my now husband, Joe Rokes, that was a chili head. That's what we call the person that cannot live without eating chilies. So one day we were walking and talking about how much he liked chilies and how he started a little brand on the corner at some point. He's a graphic designer, but he loved chili so much that he decided to create his own chili sauce. 
and that he has left it on the side because I'm an accidental entrepreneur. He's a serial entrepreneur. He starts businesses, he drops them. So I said, hmm, what if, listen to me, what if we actually model, create that model, business model that we saw in handcrafts working and we put it into something that you love that is chili sauce and then we bring my marketing acumen and then we create something that is a good like a really cool brand, but also good for communities. And that's the beginning of Black Mamba. So it's by accident, literally, that I end up doing food. Ah, and it, it, from, from looking around the website, it's not just the products. You, you, you kind of, it's the production, it's the, it's the farming as well is part of the business? Yes, actually, the way we work, we don't do the farming. Like everybody else is like, do you have a farm? What we've decided to do, what makes more sense in order of having really a positive impact in the rural communities is let them grow the ingredients. So what we've been doing for many years is we partner with a local NGO called Guba. And the NGO, what it does is um, their mission is to create resilient communities. And a big part of resilience is creating food security and without external inputs. So that ties in very, very nicely with organic farming and green agriculture. So what they do is they teach those communities to grow their own food in a sustainable and um, healthy way. So no pesticides, no um, chemicals, nothing of the sorts. But those communities at a certain point wanted to evolve into income generating projects. So now they could feed their families, they could get subsistence farming, but at some point they wanted to potentially create an income after that. So that's what Black Mamba came on board and said, we wanna work with those communities that grow already organic ingredients out of what they've been taught to become resilient, but bring those ingredients to make our products. So they started as well growing commercially in a small scale, the chilies and the herbs that we use in the creation of Black Mamba. What's in the range at the moment? And it sounds it's all like hot, hot stuff. We're spicy. Name Black Mamba, you have to be spicy, you know? You're not naming <laughs> vain after the most dangerous snake in Africa. <laughs> so I think one of our trademarks, you know, the name Black Mamba also that is a very... It has a very good impact, I say, whether you like it or not. It always, it's an icebreaker for conversations. Every time I do a trade show, one out of two times, somebody comes to our stand and says, why Black Mamba? And I always can say, why not? And then we start explaining that it's dangerous and how the word dangerous comes with spicy and you can call it chili venoms instead of a chili sauces and how that works in different languages. So the range itself and the trademark of Black Mamba is chilies. The reason being that is it's a fun um, product to work with. It's something that actually creates funny or not addiction in a good way. So me that I didn't used to eat a lot of spicy food, I cannot even fathom having my morning eggs uh, without some spicy on them, you know? So it creates already a captive audience in a way and a captive market. Um, and also because chilies are great um, plants to grow in our environment. We want to work with locally outsource ingredients we don't want to bring anything to it so that helps us to actually create a, a good sort of like business that can grow and be good for the rural communities we support so within the range we started with chili sauces because obviously it's like the first thing that comes to mind but i tend to follow a lot of trends as well i think it's very important for product development especially when you are in this tiny little landlocked country in the south of africa so there is this growing trend of people liking spicy foods this is worldwide and we base a lot of our product development towards bringing that innovation into the space. So you start with chili sauces. They're all being um, winning Great Taste Awards, which is fantastic. So we have like a jackpot of all our sauces with Great Taste Awards. But we've decided there is 
other things that you can plan on that could have a spice and not necessarily super hot because obviously there's people that like a little bit of spice in their lives, but not overwhelming. So we created a little range of super hots, which is great for that sort of space of the chili heads. But what we call ethical foodies that want to try other sort of foods, we created a range of chutneys. We've created a range of spicy pestos that are very popular. Um, and we launched as innovation now very recently a hot honey and also a beautiful chili crunch. Um, that is something very interesting in terms of the texture and the flavor that is savory and sweet and also quite spicy. What would, what would I be cooking with hot honey? Oh, God, everything. <laughs> no, I can tell you one thing that works extremely well if you're um, a non-vegetarian is like if you think fried chicken or chicken with a little bit of thing and then um, you put hot honey on top is to die for. You can do an amazing booster, health booster with ginger, hot honey and lemon and your hot water um, with ice cream. Oh, my God, the combination between the spiciness of the sweetness of the honey with the coldness of the vanilla ice cream creates an amazing, beautiful combination. Um, roasted veggies with a little bit of hot honey drizzle on top. It just creates a whole new experience, culinary experience for that. I'm sold, I think. <laughs> Brilliant. So my job is done. Oh, what were the first steps? Did, did you say your, your partner or your husband had a, had, a, had a brand? He had a product as well, did he? So that was the, yes. first, the first product. That's so interesting because it's still a flagship product and, and I think it's the one that's going to become the, the table sauce worldwide, like Tabasco back in the days and City Dacha. Yeah. Um, he created a Cayenne chili sauce. So that's our flagship product. He created a recipe. When I took over, I decided, okay, let me just tweak this recipe in a way that makes sense. You know, as a small business, I think we started developing products that make sense for us. Yeah. And I am Colombian living in Africa. So my sort of like background in food wasn't necessarily African, but most on the Latino side. So the cayenne chili sauce that we had created was very um, overcharged on garlic and ginger, which is a very sort of strong flavor here as well in Africa. But I needed to make it a little bit more fresh for the South African sort of perspective. You know, Mexican sauces are more on the sour side, lemony side. So we sort of like reiterated that recipe and that was our first launch, the relaunch of the Cayenne chili sauce. And how have you kind of approached product development? You know, is it based on research? Is it based on personal experience? How, how do you get the ideas and, and turn them into products? I would love to say that we were having always a very professional approach to product development, but that would be lying. So product development started first on that first product and on our own personal taste. Obviously, through the years and the fact that we are in different countries and we've grown the business quite a bit, especially in the past two to three years, we've decided to add a little bit more science behind it. Um, so what we do is, I think I'm, I'm very much in tune with the trends. And what I try to do is marry those trends with whatever is possible locally. So bringing that African essence anyway and bringing those ingredients that can support our local communities with the international trends. So if you think about it, um, that's why we created the chili crunch because all of a sudden the spice is permeating everything and these sort of interesting textures that are not the sauce, that are not runny, are actually becoming more and more staple. So trends actually fuel into that product development um, because we have very good relations uh, with our distributors that I, I believe, I think is the Latino as well, not transactional relations, but real 
through relationships that become friendships, we get a lot of feedback from our distributors. And somebody might come and say, what about a spicy pesto? Like our spicy pestos came from a suggestion from one of our distributors. Um, also something else that we can add in terms of value chains for the country. So um, Eswatini hasn't done honey in a large scale because there hasn't been a market for it. But when Black Mamba comes on board and says, Let's do spicy honey. It's on all of the sudden we can start a project of supporting small beekeepers and actually harvest honey in an environmentally friendly way and bee friendly way that ties in with our values. So it's a mix between what the market wants, what we believe helps our communities and what we like as well. But obviously at the moment, what we do is we test those products before we would launch into the market and see what happens. And now what we do is we send to friends and family, we send to distributor samples because every market we realize has different palette and, and taste profiles. Like Taiwan is completely different from, um, I don't know, from the UK, for instance. So we send to our distributors that know already our products and know their markets and we get feedback. And based on that, we decide to do or not a launch at a larger scale. What has the approach been to sales? Because I, I mean, I was... I was I was pretty impressed by the fact you got your stockists on four continents. It's is that is that reputation has done that, or is that a lot of legwork? Or I think um, it was very interesting because we spoke to one of our funders recently, and she did an interview as well, and saying how is Black Mamba a little bit becoming a global brand when you come from a tiny little country in Africa, and what she realizes is that a lot of entrepreneurs what they do is they turn problems into opportunities. And I hadn't realized that because she said she actually told me, like you, the problem is that you didn't have a local market. Eswatini is a country with 1 million people, of which 63% live below the poverty line. There is not a substantial market for a gourmet product that commands a higher price. So for me, it wasn't a problem. It was from the beginning. I knew that it was a product that needed to be going beyond the borders because we didn't have a strong enough or a big enough local market. So the... The view of exporting started from the beginning. And based on that, we started looking into what would be the first markets that would work for a sort of product that is environmentally and socially committed. And um, the first markets that came as a no-brainer and also because of my sort of relationship with the handcraft businesses in the country was fair trade. So we became fair trade certified and we became Funny enough, because I had those relationships, I knocked on doors of the distributors of handcrafts from Esotini in other countries and say, what about trying food? And interestingly enough, for some of them, food has become the staple instead of handcrafts. That's how much relevance food has, um, how much relevant food has become everywhere. And I think even more after COVID or during COVID. So it started by me being very intentional on my networks I had already built. It started by also being very intentional on building the food networks, on building the development networks. So I applied to any, to all of the business accelerators that you could imagine, to anything that was women empowerment. So we tick a lot of boxes of that because it's women founded, women owned. We work with communities. So there's a lot of, I would say, um, budget or a lot of organizations and networks that work on that. So we tick all those boxes, but it was about being intentional and starting putting myself out there, going to meetings, looking online, looking on LinkedIn, anything that could work for Black Mamba. And a lot of our distribution started like that. So obviously you don't really become the brand and you don't grow it when you do only niche. 
So what we've been doing lately is like we did the step from going from niche fair trade to specialized retailers. We always start by looking at our neighbors. So South Africa is still our larger um, market. So we try to see what works there in terms of development of the market. And then we try to extrapolate that and understand how we can work with other markets in that in that in that sense. And some of them have him literally just spur of the moment luck that you have and then you just take the opportunity for instance my main distributor in Norway um a friend of his came to Swaziland and bought a bottle of a habanero chili sauce and I got contacted on our info and he says I got this chili sauce I am a distributor of fair trade food in Norway there's a scope to work together and we've been working with Norway for the past probably six or seven years out of that interaction, out of me jumping on the moment and say, of course, we can work with you. We would love to have the products in Norway. Oh, fantastic. And did, did I see that your, um, your list sort of have a relationship with Burger King? Is that is that a thing? Again, one of those um, luck moments. Um, we we work with a lot. You know, obviously, you're talking food. So obviously, when we're being professionalizing the business, we start working with um, content creators that create beautiful recipes and ideas to, to make with our products. And one of those, um, <laughs> that's quite funny, was married to a um, creative from an agency, very big agency worldwide. That is the one that works with Burger King in South Africa as well. So he took a bottle of Black Mamba for his lunch to his agency. And the agency said, "Woo, this is actually really cool. And somehow that came to Burger King. And Burger King, out of the blue, contacted me. I thought it was a jinx. You know, you never know what the emails that you receive, if they're true or not. And it's like, we're Burger King. We want to work with you. And I was like, uh, is this actually, I was like, no, this is dodgy. I'm, it can be. But I obviously replied and I say, what do you want to do? So we started the conversation and they wanted to develop. Back then they, they saw one of our recipes and they wanted to develop a seasonal burger that was very African and spicy. So we started doing all the trends and all the work on it. And Unfortunately, after like eight months of back and forth, and then we had to get listed as a supplier for Burger King, that was another nightmare on its own uh, sort of like platform. Um, they said, sorry, it didn't work out. We did the testing with the market. It's just they didn't like it. But little they knew that they were actually working with an extremely stubborn Colombian. So I called them and I said, I'm jumping on the next plane to Cape Town. And I'm bringing my whole range because one product didn't work, but we have 12 other products and one of them must work. So I met them. We created a really nice relationship. And a year down the line, they've created a peri-peri range. So peri-peri is obviously the quintessential spice for Africa or also very popular in the UK, I've noticed. And um, they created a range of burgers that are all done with our black mamba sauce and what they did, which was truly amazing. And that shows the power of big brands to commit to be sustainable, even if it's by collaborating with sustainable brands, they showcase and name black mamba throughout all the campaign, throughout all the, when you go to the um, Burger King, there's a big bottle of our peri-peri sauce next to the burger. So that created an amazing, um, an, an amazing, that's an, a massive push for our brand awareness as well. That's awesome. I mean, and and you, as you say, it's an opportunity that kind of nearly went away. I know. I mean, but that's what I said, you know, as an entrepreneur, I feel, and as a food entrepreneur, um, it's about not giving up, I guess, you know, like I just, they, they would have said, and I would have said, oh, thank you so much. It was really lovely working with you, but I understand. And instead I said, no, 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 excuse me. Uh -uh. 
<laughs> we have a lot of other products. I'm coming to Cape Town. And I think they also admired the perseverance and they said, well, let's just give it a go. We can't lose anything. And it ended up being a very good deal for us. I see one great taste of how much of a reputation do those awards have in your different markets? Um, I guess a, a shiny little um, um, label on your bottles, whether you're a bottle of chilies or a bottle of wine, makes a difference. Because especially for people that have never tried a product. I mean, for instance, you know, my, my, my sister-in-law, she's a chef. And, and the way she does wines, because she doesn't necessarily understand wines, is like, look for the ones with the little label that says that they won an award. Because people that are better than you at judging the taste the food will actually understand better and that's a good guidance and i took that at heart and i said let's apply to awards because it's nice to have external recognition besides market recognition from your customers of people that are really tasting food to describe what the product is and worst case scenarios if you don't win you might get any like very good feedback on how to improve your product so based on that i obviously just to let you know, in the UK now, we're fairly new again, but we used to trade by a trade craft in the past. So we did have a presence for the Fair Trade Channel. And through that, I started to get a little bit acquainted with what the market was. And when I saw the Great Taste Awards, I said, like, let's do it. You know, it's not super expensive to enter. What if? And the what if is like every consecutive year we put a chili sauce and every consecutive year we won an award for one of our chili sauces. So great pat in the back. And Beyond the UK, I think when you have an award, whether it's the UK or in Taiwan or in South Africa, people appreciate the fact that there's somebody else besides common mortals <laughs> that like your product. So I think it's it's actually worth it, you know, and it's worth to put yourself out there, you know. Excellent. Can I ask how, how you funded the business so far? Because there's, there's quite a lot of, oh, you, you mentioned um, uh, yeah, applying for, for grants and things like that, but has, has there been any other funding? So basically, I think when you start being an entrepreneur and you start doing business accelerators and everything, they, they just mention which are the potential sources of funding that you could have as an entrepreneur. We've done everything, everything under the face of the earth. The only thing we haven't done yet is crowd um, crowdfunding. Uh, but we started with our own savings. You know, like I had, I was working in Italy. I came as a volunteer. Then I decided I'm not going to go back to my corporate job. I want to stay here in Africa, do this thing, crazy thing. So I had some savings in euros that translated for a little bit in quite a good savings in rents. So that was the first um, input. Then my husband as well, like bless him, he's been completely trusting trusting the craziness behind my my stubbornness, and he also actually with his own business started investing in my in my dream. And then after that, it was families like, mom, we need money for this. And thank God mom and mother-in-law were actually very supportive as well. And then after that, it's grants. So you see, when you start doing all your networks and you're in an African country and you're actually doing something for development of the country, we received uh, not a lot, but a few grants that have been very instrumental. Through our first grant, we managed to get actually our food safety certification. That is super important to do international sales. Yeah. So it was a lot of money to be invested for a very small business. So we paid our food safety certification through a grant. Then loans. So loans as well. So creating good relationship with banks, uh, being able to create the debt to a certain amount that allows you to keep on running the business without being like this. Yeah. Uh, and the latest though that has been is when you start actually thinking because you know what, you could have a business that is a, a very good lifestyle business and that's all you want to do and and that's it and it's perfectly fine. But we are committed to change 
change food ecosystems. We are committed to show that a business that put people and planet first is a successful bet for other businesses. So I knew we had a purpose beyond lifestyle um, and beyond making money. So based on that, I said, okay, it's time to scale this. And I started looking into what are the options? And obviously one of the options is equity. So I started trying to learn a little bit how that worked. So after a lot of no's, and two years of looking into potential funders, we managed to land a, our first seed capital through an American VC called Enigma Ventures that works with women-founded businesses in Southern Africa. So literally, we, we tick the box for them. Yeah. And, and that's how we actually started the, the big push that we started a couple of years ago on like pushing for more organized retail for other markets. Um, so yeah, so it's been a big journey. And the the reality, unfortunately, what I realize now is when you are in a scaling journey, you will always need money. And I talk to other entrepreneurs, food entrepreneurs as well, is once you get into that sort of like hamster wheel, there's no going out, baby. It's the <laughs> next round and the next round and the next round. So now we're mentally preparing ourselves for a series A that will hopefully happen by uh, the end of 2024. Aside from kind of going through that funding journey, what what are the other goals for Black Mamba? Um, I think it's very important to always have that sort of purpose. Um, I, I'm also a lecturer, mentor for other entrepreneurs. And I think what I always tell them is make sure that you have your massive transformational purpose always here. Because the entrepreneurial journey, everybody knows it's up and downs. And there's moments where you're completely demotivated and you said, I, I had enough. I'm not getting traction. I don't know how to pay salaries this month. 10,000 customers have told me no. Um, so there is a lot of that. Um, but I think for me and for the business, having a very clear purpose of where, what we want to achieve, which is changing these food ecosystems. And I put it very clear in my mind. In my mind, I want Black Mamba to be the Patagonia of hot sauces, of spiciness. Patagonia is for me one of those brands that have managed to keep true to their values of peeding, putting planet first and growing anyway into an amazing brand with good quality, great reviews, good perceptions and, and growing, you know, it's an international global brand that still have those values. So what I want when I see Black Mamba and I see the future of Black Mamba, I see Black Mamba becoming the Patagonia of hot sauces, a global brand, a cult brand. I always said I want people to to have more, I want more evangelists. I want people also passionate about spiciness, about a greener world, which is the two things that that we have that make us different, I think. And, and that's what I want. So basically, I always jokingly say that we are in a path of Chile world domination. But I do believe we have the potential to become a, a, a niche global brand. So we will be in every single market, like making sure that we can translate the meaning of good food for us. So food that is good for you with organic ingredients for the planet. So that takes into consideration organic farming, environmentally friendly packaging, and good for the people that grow your food or make your food. Like for us as humans nowadays, considering that good food is only tasty food, I think we need to go beyond that because we have to as a species, because the future of our species depends on that as well. And so for us, it's, it's important. And that is the massive transformational purpose. So I see our brand becoming a, a beacon for other businesses to, to see that we can actually do that. And also hopefully something that creates the feeling as well. We consider ourselves like fun and modern and African, but not in a, please buy from us African poor people because we need to be, no, but like really a, a cool modern fun brand. So that's sort of like the goal to keep on bringing those 
values, that sort of approach, that 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 brand. Um, I have to say commitment or that brand promise that we have throughout everything that we do in the future. Can I ask how you um, how you got into sort of the Taiwan and places like that? Oh God! So Taiwan, it's I, I just I was I'm not in a call with my distributor in Taiwan because it's a market that I still haven't deciphered. It's just so difficult because you think you nailed it and then you didn't, and then you have some traction for a year and then you don't. But um, why we got there is um, our government has very strong ties with Taiwan. So that's why I said build those relationships. The network is so important. So we got the possibility to go to a trade show. The biggest trade show in Taiwan is called Food Taipei. So we had a little stand at Food Taipei. And you probably noticed already that I'm very outgoing and extroverted. So I don't let people escape from my stand before they try Black Mamba. And by actually being there, putting myself there, we managed to talk to what is now our distributor. So it was a lot of work in terms of getting listed. So that's one thing for international markets is like there is interest in the market. Now you have to get listed with the FDA, the local FDA. Then you have to translate your labels into Chinese. So that was a job on its own. So we got the translation. We put them all again in Chinese. But it's very cool, actually, I say, to have um, labels in Chinese. And then create a marketing strategy that works for the market. And then checking on the duties, checking that you are allowed to actually import that product into that country. We had a massive issue with our hot honey in the UK, for instance, because we realized too late that Eswatini doesn't have an agreement to bring honey into the UK. So we cannot bring our hot honey into the UK at the moment, for instance. So it's things that you learn. But all of that brought to the fact that then my distributor started he really believed in the product and, and we built a very good friendship now. I mean, he's a very good friend. And we started planning whatever I said to Paul before, which is let's go into markets. Let's get that first feedback. Small quantities, you know, with him, he's imported a pallet of product just to start with. And then for markets, it's like, let's try to do some listings in supermarkets. And that's what we keep on doing all the time and how the global brand Oz Black Mamba here can support his sales task with the marketing support that he needs. Brilliant. Is there something you, you wish you could have kind of told yourself at the start that you've learned along the way or multiple things? Actually, I thought about that question a lot. Of course, you know, like I would say, I'm paraphrasing my, my seven-year-old daughter every time I tell her, you need to do that, you need to do that. And she always says, it's easy for you to say. So obviously it's easy for me to say now, oh, this is the things that I should have done before when they were not um, that obvious back in the day. But for me, one thing that I would I, w- I wish I would have done before is focus. I think when you're starting, you kind of like get distracted by every shiny thing or every like like dangling thing that you get thrown on your way. And sometimes you put a lot of effort into things that are not necessarily worth it for your business itself. So focus would have been one of them to learn that everything takes time. You know, like you want things to be achieved very fast, but like building a brand takes time. And that would have saved me a lot of frustration on things not happening at the speed that you want. And God, I just like, why isn't this happening? And some things take time. So I would have been less frustrated and less stressed. And the third thing that I'm learning now is spending your money better. You know, like you have your grants and you have your loans. And at the beginning, my background is not in financials, but I do understand a little bit now. And I think now we learn a lot more how to manage our cash flow and how everything that we spend needs to have some sort of return. Well, at the beginning, you might do a little bit of ego expenditures. We have this massive billboard in Swaziland, for instance, about our sauces. Like, really? I mean, what about spending on tastings, targeted tastings in a supermarket rather? So 
learning how to spend the money in a better way. But again, like my daughter says, it's easy for you to say, now I know it because I've been in the game for quite a few years, but I was a starting, I didn't know that. But those are the main things that I would have done differently, probably. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely fascinating um, to hear to hear what you've been doing. Um, Thank people you. People can uh, you can learn more about Black Mamba, and you can buy online. Uh, I assume you 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 fulfill internationally, I guess, globally. Yes, actually, online you can buy directly. We have Shopify stores in the UK, in the UAE, um, in South Africa, of course, and uh, obviously you can always contact us on info at blackmambachile.com. Uh, then we can always make a plan for other markets where we are not um, there yet. But we do have on the website as well a list of stockists and countries so you can know where to get your closest hotfix. Fantastic. That's, that's blackmambachili.com. If you want to listen to more interviews with food founders, you can go to frogop.co.uk forward slash podcast <laughs> or search for food founders interviews wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again. Really nice to speak to you and uh, look forward to seeing that cool cult global brand. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Bye. Thank you, you too. Bye.